let me on behalf of Christ Central welcome you to this Christmas Sunday morning worship uh, to Christ the King who was born, Christ the King who lived and died and resurrected to wipe away all of our sins. I'm Harold, one of the pastors. It is my thrill to bring to you God's word and to worship together with you this morning. So if you uh, have your Bibles, it'll also be projected overhead. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Let me read this for us, starting at verse 10. And the angel said to them, these are the shepherds in the fields, Fear fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And the next slide, please. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word so far. Thanks be to God. So this is from the gospel of Luke. The author is a physician by trade. And uh, Luke chapter 2 begins with, specific names and details. It says that Caesar Augustus was actually the ruler of the land, and he sent out a decree for all families to be registered. It also has the name of the governor of Syria who went by Quirinius. And what Luke is trying to convey here is saying that this is all of historical record. Uh, It's not hype. I'm going to give you specific times and locations and names and details to say that this is not fiction or fake news, but these are facts. These are facts. Uh, It's just like saying in Christmas 2019, so-and-so was the president and uh, he was being impeached and we're awaiting the Senate trial. We're not quite sure if or when that's going to happen. The governor of California was so-and-so. And then if you really wanted to get detailed, the Los Angeles Dodgers failed once again to get a really marquee good player that they should have gotten by this time. They failed all of these things, just like the Gospel of Luke is conveying to us facts. Now, a baby was born by the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody disputes this. Uh, Jesus Christ is a historical figure, but what is hotly disputed, hotly contested, is why he was born. Jesus Christ was born, but why was he born? In our passage today, the angels announced two reasons why. Two outstanding reasons why. Verse 14, first, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. See, according to the angels sent by God, in the birth of Jesus Christ, about 2,000 years ago, The very glory of God was revealed. In that baby boy, the glory of God was made manifest. Now, what is this glory? I'll define it this way. Glory is the otherworldly brilliance, beauty, weightiness, and excellence about God. Glory is the inherent 
otherworldly brilliance and beauty and weight and excellence of God. And so, when even an angel of God appears, the shepherds in the field, the first and foremost message that they must hear is, fear not. Fear not. And by the way, this is the most repeated greeting. It's the most repeated command throughout the entirety of the Bible. It's the two words that we as human beings have to hear most. And this is just with the mere appearance of an angel. Go figure what would happen or what should happen if God himself shows up. The glory of God, quite frankly, is just too much to take. The glory of God, the otherworldly brilliance and beauty and weight and excellence, the inherent excellence about God is, would just blow away all human capacities, all boundaries, all limitations. There is no one in this room, starting with myself, that could bear to handle the glory of God. Uh, this is why in the book of Isaiah, who was rendered holy man, he was called a holy prophet of God, and holy just means that you're set apart But when the holy prophet of God entered into the holy, holy, holy presence of God himself. When a human being who's rendered holy but gets near the utter perfect holiness of God. Isaiah just starts to cry aloud. I just want to die. He says, woe is me. And uh, this is actually a I want to die kind of fear that Isaiah experienced. Uh, Why am I sharing this? Well, you know, on this Christmas Sunday morning, I do want to suggest something to you that if you grew up religiously, and I'm so happy that you're joining us here at a church to worship Jesus Christ, but if you have never been awed, if you've never been struck down, or if I could put it this way, if you've never been Terrified? Can I use that word? Like truly and deeply and really afraid? You see, if, if, if God to you is someone who's never too awful, never too terrible, or never too holy. If God to you is never someone who's so amazing and gracious that he can make you weep for joy. I'm going to suggest this morning, you've grown up with the God that you've made for yourself. You've not grown up with the God who made you. Everyone in this room who's familiar with Christmas or these festivities or holidays or religious services, I'm asking you personally in your own life, if God to you has never gone way beyond all capacities to handle or comprehend, and you've never really been Feeling like you have to be told, fear not. I'm not so sure you've ever met the God of the Bible. You know, there's a most popular hymn entitled Amazing Grace. And one of the verses it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. That's a beautiful line. And I would conjecture that some of us just miss that altogether. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. You see, the first move of God for anyone to get near to God is grace. And the first move of grace is that it teaches us to fear. 
Because if you ever get anywhere close to the glory of God, the real God, there is no possible way that you would not possibly fear. But the hymn goes on, thankfully, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved.'" This is why the angel announced to the shepherds in the field, fear not, you don't have to be so deathly afraid, although fear is the only first appropriate reaction when you get near the glory of God, but I bring you good news of great joy. I've come to relieve your fears. I've come to solve your fears. The angel announces, in the birth of Jesus Christ, the glory of God is being revealed, but it's being revealed in a way that will not overwhelm you or crush you, but in fact to save you and redeem you and love you for good. You see, what could possibly relieve the fears of the shepherds in the field? What could they do at that moment? Get more education? Go to a graduate school to study the scriptures? Or how about the angel announces, fear not, and they say, but but no, 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 wait, look. Here's my good life. Do you know how religious and moral and conservative and obedient I've been? Here it is. None of these things could have possibly relieved their fears. But when the angel announces, says, but I bring you good news. Good news is at the heart of Christmas. Good news is what Christianity is all about. Good news is the gospel. And it is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can release and relieve you of your fears. Do you know it? Do you know what it says? Has it come and calmed your fears? The gospel begins with why Jesus Christ was born. First, in the birth of Jesus Christ... The very glory of God was revealed. Here's second. The angels announced the host of the multitude of angels joined in this chorus. And peace on earth. Peace on earth. Historians will tell us that Jesus was born at a relatively peaceful time throughout the Roman Empire. So it was called the Pax Romana or Roman Peace. So evidently, Jesus was not born at a time where he had to put immediate raging wars to bed. And ever since Jesus Christ was born, we all know that wars and violence and injustice and atrocities have persisted. Historians have told us that the 20th century alone just blew away in proportion all the centuries which preceded it combined. You see, the peace... On earth that the angels announced, the kind of peace that Jesus brings was primarily not a political peace. Jesus obviously did not come primarily to bring political peace. And for any and every war that, was, that has been done in the name of Christianity or they invoke the name of Jesus Christ, I assure you, those are wars in name only, in name only. People can say Jesus all they want, but if you're just after power, naked authority and rule, if you're after your own utopia of your own making, if you're after wealth or fame, you can say Jesus all you want, but that is not what Jesus wants. Peace on earth. Well, that peace is not a political peace. 
Second, Jesus did not primarily come to bring about a psychological or inner peace. This gets confused these days, especially in America. People think if you believe and worship Jesus as your Savior, all of a sudden you're going to reach this uh, Zen. This kind of settled, impervious poise in your heart. An equilibrium, if you will. An inner psychological peace. You're going to feel it all the time. And supposing that if you get religious enough, no matter what comes your way, you're never going to freak out. You're never going to panic. You're never going to sweat. You're never going to cry. You're just going to always be able to overcome whatever comes your way. This is not what Jesus brings. I'm sorry to say that. That's not what Jesus primarily brings. In fact, when Jesus Christ really meets you and comes into many people's lives, things actually get messier sometimes. There's a lot of parts of today's world that if you really want to worship and follow Jesus, your life actually gets more dangerous. Uh, Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, the author of The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, she used to be the head of English literature and women's studies at Syracuse University. And in 1999, as she was trying to ridicule and expose all the hypocrisy and falsehoods of Christianity, through that endeavor, she herself was converted to Christ. And in her autobiography, she shares this, quote, Conversion put me in a complicated and comprehensive chaos. In April 1999, I felt the call of Jesus Christ upon my life. It was both subtle and blatant, like the peace inside the eye of the hurricane. Conversion didn't fit my life. Conversion overhauled my soul and personality. You see, for Rosaria, for her to come to Christ and follow him, it would mean that she lose her job. She would have to leave and lose her lesbian partner. She left her prestige and her career. She left her colleagues and community with whom she loved. She says the only thing she had left when she moved out of Syracuse was her pet dog. She says this is the most arduous, overwhelming, and intense thing that she has ever gone through. But here's what Rosaria goes on to explain. As soon as the authority and the glory and the love of God started to take over her life, which is always found in the Holy Scriptures, you're never going to find it elsewhere. In a year-long study and question and answering from the Holy Scriptures, as the authority and love of God started to invade and take over her life, she said she wanted to leave everything about her former life behind. And she says it was not her sexual orientation or her sexual identity or gender politics that used to dominate her before she met Jesus Christ. No, no, no. What dominated Rosaria was just sheer pride. That we want, to run, <clears throat> we, want <clears throat> we want to run our own lives. We want to define ourselves. We want to say, this is how I feel. This is how I should be. But when the Holy Scriptures come in and God, His reality comes in, not only do you get glory, but eventually you're going to get peace. Jesus Christ did not primarily come to bring political peace. He did not come primarily to bring about psychological inner peace. Third, this might surprise you. Jesus Christ did not primarily come to bring about relational peace. He didn't. Now, this week, I came home late one night, and as I like to do, I go into 
my daughter's rooms. They're both in high school, Taylor and then Elizabeth. And I just like staring at them because they're no more lovely and adorable than when they are sleeping. And I start to pray for them. And when I went into my youngest daughter's room, all of a sudden, this is around 2 a.m., she woke up, big, beautiful eyes just opened, and she reached out, and she wanted to hug me. I loved that moment. She drew me in, and she hugged me for at least what seemed like 12 seconds. (laughs) Seemed like an hour to me. The next day, I'm picking her up from school, and I said, Elizabeth, you don't know how happy dad was last night. Do you remember when you woke up and gave me a hug? Why did you do that? She goes, no, I don't remember that. (laughs) You don't remember at all? You were fully awake, and you hugged me. She goes, no, dad. I was probably dreaming about a boy, though. (laughs) See, I, I, I am a Christian. I think I have a Christian family or household. And moments like that, sometimes I question the purpose and meaning of life. But uh, (laughs) nobody wants to read passages like Luke chapter 12, verse 51, where Jesus himself said, I did not come to bring peace. In fact, I came to bring division. Fathers against sons, sons against fathers, mothers against daughters, daughters against mothers. Who in their right mind would say things like that? Only Jesus would. And the point of Jesus is this. He is so, so transcendent. And when he comes and takes over your life, even your closest relationships are rearranged. So what kind of peace is this that the angels announced? Exactly what kind of peace does Jesus bring? It's not a political peace. It's not an inner psychological peace. Nor is it a relational peace. Look at verse 14. Once again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, popular Christian songs, Christmas hymns, and older translations of the Bible will say, goodwill toward men. I'm sure you've heard that. It's just good general favor of God toward all the world. No, the more accurate faithful translation from the Greek would be this, and on earth, Peace, not just to all, generally speaking, but among those with whom he is pleased. Right here, it is telling us the kind of peace that Jesus is going to bring. It's not a political one. It's not a psychological one. It's not a relational one. Here's primarily what Jesus brings. He came to make peace with God. It's not peace just among us or peace with one another. Jesus primarily came to make peace with God. Peace with God, between you and God. Charles Wesley, in one of his most famous Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the first verse goes like this, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. There it is. Jesus primarily came to bring and make peace with God. This is why Jesus in the gospel of John chapter 14, verse 27, he promises and tells us this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Oh, my friends, you don't know how warm and comforting this verse is to my soul. 
I hope it is to you. Here Jesus promises and pronounces a peace that the world does not know about, nor could it ever offer. It is a one of a kind, once in a lifetime, once in eternity kind of peace. And only Jesus can give you it. You see, the peace of Jesus is not temporary. The peace of Jesus is not conditional. It's absolute and it's eternal. The world functions this way and most of us function this way in this room. If you had a pretty good 2019, you feel a little more at peace as the year comes to a close. If you had a turbulent, rocky 2019, then of course you feel less peace as 2019 comes to a close. My friend, the peace that Jesus brings, the peace that Jesus promises has nothing to do With how 2019 went for you. It's not seasonal. It's not conditional. It's not based on a circumstance. The peace of Jesus Christ comes to you whether or not you're in financial debt or doing really well. The peace of Jesus Christ can come to you in this season whether or not you miss that loved one who used to be there last Christmas. The peace of Jesus Christ can come to you regardless of the medical reports. The peace of Jesus Christ can even come to you even if all your relationships are a mess. They're really all just so intensely hard and difficult and painful. Jesus says, I give you a peace not as the world gives. It's an objective peace. It's a complete peace. It's not partial. It's not imperfect. It's not in process. And this is why Apostle Paul declares in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, this glorious gospel. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace with God is based upon that you are justified. Justified means you are no longer seen or declared as guilty in God's holy, glorious sight. Question. If you are justified, meaning no longer guilty, meaning you are blameless, once you are rendered blameless because Jesus covers you, Jesus died for you, by faith in believing that Jesus substituted himself for you, now in the sight of God, you can be blameless. Here's the question. Can you become a little more blameless? Once you're justified, no longer declared guilty, is there a degree to which you can become more innocent? If you are free from all condemnation and free from all accusation by all your sins, past, present, and future, is there some day that you're still waiting waiting for in which by degrees you can be more free from those accusations and condemnation? No. This peace that Jesus brings, simply put, is perfect. It's perfect. It's objective, not subjective. It's lasting, not temporary or seasonal. It's unconditional, not conditional, dependent upon you or the circumstances you're in. It's perfect.
Oh, I know how many people long for perfect peace. As do I. But why do so many people miss out on perfect peace? My friend, here this morning, why is your heart so troubled, so restless, so congested, so confused, so empty and dark? Why do we miss this perfect peace that the angels announced at the birth of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why. It's because you don't see you're at war. What? (laughs) You're never going to get perfect peace with God if you don't see that you're at war with God. Romans chapter 8 verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The mind that is set on the flesh means this is your natural disposition. This is your most normal, regular Default mode. This is everybody who has ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. And the main problem that we all have with the holiness and the glory of God is this. It's not a lack of information. It's not your ignorance per se. It's not that you need to be energized or inspired more. It's not even an issue of where you need to become more moral and obedient and conform to his ways. No, here in this verse, it's one of the most radical verses throughout all the New Testament. It says it's because of hostility. Not ignorance, not inspiration, not indifference, but actual hostility. There's hate about you. There is a loathing about you. There is a ultra defense mechanism about you and I when it comes to Someone else needs to be God. You know, couples that are in love, it's an easy, romantic, enjoyable thing, is it not? And when you see any couple who falls in love, every characteristic about the other person is adorable and they appreciate it. But you wind the clock 10 years forward We might wind the clock 25 years forward. And the couple who was once so in love fall out of love and they grow further and further apart. And the very characteristics that they used to so admire are the very things now that they just cannot stand. You know, so so so-and-so, your girlfriend or boyfriend used to be so steady and poised, so even keel. And you were that emotional roller coaster person. And what you enjoyed about that person's steadiness Years down the road, when you fall out of love, you start to think, oh, he's just so cold. He just lacks empathy. At one point, you thought of the other person, well, I can't believe how organized and how responsible he or she is. And you used to admire these qualities about the person, but then you wind the clock forward and now it's, I can't believe how controlling and critical that person is. You see, your filter has been corrupted. Your filter has been changed. In fact, your filter has settled into a dark place. Here's what the Bible says about you and I and our filter with God. It's a filter of hostility. And it is corrupted and hardened by my own sin, meaning because I don't want anyone else to be God when they're 
someone who attempts to be God and usurp my own place, there is enmity and hostility towards that. So when someone mentions, well, God is mysterious and he's inscrutable and incomprehensible and he's sovereign and majestic to another degree, to you, you translate all that through the filter of hostility. You say, well, those are just excuses. Those are all cop-outs. When you hear the question, why does God allow evil and suffering and atrocities to occur in this world and why does it continue? For you, all of it now just seems like he must not care. He must not even be there. Do you know why Jesus Christ came? Do you know why he was born? It was primarily to make peace between you and God. And the first thing that has to go is your filter. All that hostility and all that rage and all that hate. Jesus Christ was born to absorb and take all the hate and love you in return. Hey, when Jesus Christ first became real to me and beautiful to me and majestic to me, my whole filter changed. Has it changed for you? Because peace with God... Perfect peace will never come until you see that you're at war. And for you to never be afraid again, you do have to face and admit your fears. For you to find perfect peace, like Rosaria Butterfield, you might have to go into the eye of the hurricane. But when you do, you will find that Jesus meets you there. Because here's what Christmas means. Christmas means that God came all the way down into this world and he let the most incomprehensible, terrible, and evil, and awful things happen to him. And so here is perfect peace. When you see your hostility, when you see your enmity, my friend, not your parents, not your spouses, not your siblings, not your communities, when you see your own enmity and hostility, and then you see how Jesus Christ was born to make peace with God with you, he'll give you the peace, not as the world gives. For those of us who are Christian worshipers, and you might be Christian believers these days, uh, for, for many, many years past, I'd just like to close with this question for you. Is this Christmas special for you? Is Christmas wondrous to you anymore? Does it surprise you anymore? And I do want to confess something to you from my heart to yours. Most if not all my problems in my Christian life, and most if not all your problems in your Christian life, boils down to because you've gotten over it. You've gotten over it. If you were more excited about Christmas when you believed in Santa Claus when you were a little kid and nothing about Christmas now gets you all juiced and pumped up, I'm going to suggest that's where your problems lie. You see, that's why you can be so hostile and hateful and unforgiving toward that person because you've gotten over what it took for Jesus Christ to make peace between you and God. Do you know why at the end of 2019, you're still so discontented and greedy? 
Do you know why at the end of this year, it's still, you always feel like you've been deprived or robbed or mistreated and you always need to get more? It's because you've gotten over how sacrificially poor Christ Jesus came for you, became for you. And if you're worried and worried and worried, or you're sad, oh man, as your pastor, I think that might be the more dominant emotion in these holiday seasons and happiness. You're just sad. And you're worried about the future. My dear friend, stop getting over that God came all the way down into this world to take a look at you and to love you and make you his. Don't get over it. That's the point. Never get over it. And there's no better time than Christmas time to stop getting over it. Let me pray for you and pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for this announcement that the angels gave. Glory in the highest. Peace on earth. And Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit and your word, you would come and invade with your love and take over and bring about perfect peace with you in and through your son Christ Jesus hear us we pray for we pray in Jesus name amen